The reading of God's word. Revelations, verse 9 to 20. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then, I placed, then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You may be seated. Last week... We had a, a look at who Jesus is. He is Lord and Savior, risen, reigning, returning. He loves us, had freed us from our sins, and made us to be a kingdom of priests. This is one we worship. It's amazing to think of the man, Jesus of Nazareth, in these terms. But he's not just the man, Jesus of Nazareth, is he? He's eternal one from heaven who descended to be born, live, die, arise, and ascend into heaven again. And this book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, shows us the other side of Jesus. A side of him we rarely get to see in the Bible. But this is who he really is. It's like the double identity of Bruce Wayne and Batman, or Peter Parker and Spider-Man, but it's in reverse. Batman is really Bruce Wayne in disguise, and Spider-Man is really Peter Parker in disguise, and Jesus of Nazareth is really the king of heaven and earth in disguise. And so in our text today, we read, uh, see the king undisguised. Now, we're going to, I should tell you this right from get-go, we're going to move through this text fairly quickly and point to a lot of scripture. But I've written the scripture in your bulletin insert, so we don't have to try and track it, but I encourage you to look at it later. So... Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. 
I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and testimony of Jesus. Now, Patmos was the Alcatraz of its day, uh, a penal colony for those who uh, disturbed the peace, to cause a disturbance of the peace. And John was on Patmos precisely because he was a leader in the church that preached the gospel that disturbed the peace. So, um, I was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. <clears throat> Saying, write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Not Sialeta, but Laodicea. I wanted to tell that jokes for years. <laughs> and it still isn't funny. These are seven churches in verse 4, the seven churches in Asia. And a loud voice like a trumpet just means it was loud, it was clear, it was cutting, cutting through the air to John or to whoever. Um, well, yeah, and when John turns around to see the voice, the person who's speaking to him, he's overcome by, by what he sees. He's overwhelmed and falls as though dead. He literally can't handle what he sees. He is physically incapable of handling what he sees. Now, as we walk through this description of Jesus, and we know it's Jesus because he said, I died and rose again, live forevermore. You have to understand that when people use something so inadequate as human speech to describe the reality of heaven, words fall far short. The vision of John defies words. It's literally indescribable, but he does the best he can. So then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, which you understand from verse 20, symbolize the seven churches. Now, what is a lampstand for? Is it not to hold the lamp of God, or hold the lamp so the light can shine Further, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it's give light to all in the house. Jesus said that. Isn't that what the church is for, what our church is for, to lift up Christ? The reason a church exists so that people can look at her and say, so that's what Jesus is like. And I hope, I really hope, that's why we exist. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. Son of man means, of course, human. I mean, he looked like a person, only different. He was unlike any person I've ever seen, John says. Daniel saw the same one. And behold, there came with the clouds of heaven one who appeared to be a man, one like a son of man, one of us, only different. So, Son of Man became a term for the, the divine Messiah, the God-man. 
He is clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. So this was worn by important people, by kings. And this is the ultimate VIP, the king of kings. The hair on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. White is a color of purity. And again, in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair on his head like pure wool. So John clearly has this in mind. This is a divine picture. Have you ever gone outside in the winter's afternoon after a fresh snowfall, and the sun is low in the sky, and notice how brilliant it was. I kind of envisioned John as he's falling to the ground, shielding his eyes from the light. They can't see beyond it. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Fire in the Bible stands for judgment or the refining of the people of God. Psalm 97, fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies. Malachi 3 is like a refiner's fire. Hebrews 12, our God is a consuming fire. Moses encountered God in the burning bush. And his eyes were like flames of fire. He sees. Nothing escaped him. No word or deed or action escapes the judgment of God. Verse 15. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. Ezekiel, in his vision of the glory of God, wrote, Below what appears to be his waist was fire. Daniel 10, his arms and legs were like the gleam of burnished bronze. And verse 7, his voice was like the roar of many waters. Ezekiel 1, and when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. In Ezekiel 43, Behold, the glory of the Lord of Israel was coming out of the east, and the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters. How many of you have been to the Niagara Falls? Fair number. And heard the sound of the rushing of the water over the falls. Remember how loud it was? Well, it wasn't loud. You didn't cover your ears, but you couldn't talk over the sound. You couldn't hear anything over the sound. The voice of a Lord is like that. It covers everything else so that that's all that you hear. Write this down. We won't have time to read it, but read Psalm 29, a testament to the voice of the Lord. Psalm 29. Verse 16, in his right hand, he held seven stars. The stars stand for angels, which I will talk about in a few weeks. 
But right hand stands for strength. You see that all the time in the Psalms. He saved me with his right hand. He held me with his right hand. Angels are in his hand, so to speak. They do his bidding. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. This is the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, but also the sword of judgment. Revelation 19, from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. Did this not mean that his throat is a hiding place for his weapon, but the word of God is that by which the nations and all people will be judged. Nations that set themselves against the Christ of God will be judged by the word. And his face was like the sun sun shining in full strength. Um, Matthew 17, verse 2, the transfiguration. His face shone like the sun. These days, when I'm driving to the office and home from the office, the sun is low in the sky and I can't see anything until I put the visor down. The sun makes it impossible to see Anything else obscures everything, and I can't even look directly at it. So clothing, hair, eyes, feet, voice, right hand, mouth, face, John is trying to capture what he saw. And even as you try to picture it, okay, try to picture it, you can't. His words don't do it justice. But his next word, in a sense, captures what his description does not. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Even John, sorry, this is normal. This is why angels often had to say, fear not, whenever she showed up in front of people. Daniel 8, verse 17, when the angel Gabriel, see, I'm talking too fast. It's exciting. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Daniel, he was frightened and fell on his face. In chapter 10, verse 8, Daniel, no strength was left in me. My appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. And so even John, Jesus' best friend, when he sees Jesus as he is, he collapses. We have no strength. No capacity to handle a vision of God. I've heard it asked on a number of occasions, why can't God just show up? When I was serving as a pastor before coming to this church, I had a young man stop by my office. And in our conversation, he asked exactly that. Why can't God just show up? If God were just to show up, I believe. I couldn't help but believe. But if God showed up, we wouldn't survive. And if he showed up with his glory clothed or covered, wouldn't people be just like the Israelites? If asked, where is your God? They could point right to him, to the pillar of cloud and fire and say, he's right there. They could point to Mount Sinai covered with smoke 
and say, God, right there. God spoke to them. And that was overwhelming. And then they built a golden calf right at the foot of a mountain. And if he showed up with his glory diminished some more, we'd crucify him. No, to survive God, even to believe in him, we'd heed his intervention. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. What compassion from heaven's glory to reach fallen man. What compassion. Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. This is one reason why I don't understand Jehovah's Witnesses in their refusal to accept Jesus as divine. Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no other God. And here Jesus said, I am the first and I am the last. I died and behold, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Again, that's so we know that it's Jesus whom John saw. I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, he has control. He has taken the keys from death and Hades. Now, we can't gloss over this. Sin has no power over God's people beyond the power of death and Hades. Sin leads to death. Sin leads to the place of death. And Hades doesn't mean hell, by the way. It means the place of the sinner before judgment. To the place of the sorry, the place of death before judgment. And that's where we were all headed. All have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. We were all by nature children of the wrath of God. All. You. Me. That's what sin held over us. Death. But Jesus died, descended into Hades, and rose again. He lives forevermore. Death no longer has power over him. He has power over it. He holds the keys. And at the final judgment... Revelation 20, verse 14, both death and Hades will be thrown into hell, into the lake of fire. He is Lord. We heard last week that he is Lord of kings and nations, Lord of you. But he is Lord over death and sin and Hades too. His word is the final word. Hallelujah. That's what Revelation is about. It's about Jesus exercising his lordship over all the powers of evil. They can do their best, but Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, the Lord of heaven Jesus, will triumph over all the forces of evil. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen those that are and those that are to take place after this. Some have considered that to be an outline of the book of Revelation. The things you have seen 
is the vision that he's just seen. Those that are is the description of the churches in chapter 2 and 3. And those that are to take place in 4 verse 1 and so on has to do with the end times. But I think the things that you have seen are what John has recorded in his gospel written after the book of Revelation. Those that are is, yes, the letters to the churches, but the rest of the book is made up of those things that are, have always been, and will be. For Revelation talks as much about the past and the present as it does about the future. In fact, more. The vision of John Vision of Jesus that John sees and communicates to the churches was so crucial to them. In a time of persecution, which we will look at in a few weeks, and when things were just going to heat up for them, they needed to have this revelation of Jesus. A revelation of Jesus' true nature. But also, when false teaching and false practices were polluting the church, they needed this revelation too. For this Christ was going to judge the church. So the letters in chapter 2 and 3 make reference to this picture of Jesus in chapter 1. Now, the point of this sermon is the same as the point of last week's sermon and of the sermon before that. Jesus is Lord. Look at the world around you. Russia is in the Crimea. Canada is becoming increasingly secular. People are starving. Sin has the upper hand, but Jesus is Lord. Look at the city around you. Vandals deface the car next door to my, our house. People are dishonest with you. Godness values are being taught as normal to our kids. It seems that sin has the upper hand, but Jesus is Lord. Look within yourself. You seek your own interests first. We self-lie to explain our sin. We prefer comfort to God. It seems that sin has the upper hand, but Jesus is Lord. Because we also sense the Lord strengthening us. Crisis we face with confidence. We see God at work in us and in those around us. He is changing ourselves because Jesus is Lord. And one day we will know that truth fully. And every knee will bow in heaven above and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess and say, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to the Father through you who has loved us freed us from our sins, but who is Lord of heaven and of earth and Lord of everything. 
can't begin to imagine you like that. But it's okay. One day I'll see it, and we will all say Jesus is Lord. For now, it's enough to just to affirm the truth, even if it's a truth we don't understand, but to affirm it. As we enter into a time of communion right now, help us to get a sense that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Lord, gave his life for us. As we worship this communion, help us to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.